0: Today, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be looking at the six ways that alcohol increases the risk of various major diseases. Now, I know this channel is all about positivity, but let's be real, alcohol is a killer, and I'm not here to sugarcoat that fact. So today, what we're doing is diving deep into the scientific literature to really break things down for you. So we start off with something that you probably wouldn't expect to see in a list like this respiratory infections, and particularly pneumonia. And you're probably wondering how on earth could alcohol increase the risk of pneumonia? Now, it actually does this via at least two different mechanisms. Firstly, it alters the bacterial flora in the oral cavity and the pharynx, leading to proliferation of unhealthy bacteria. It also impairs the lung's ability to defend against harmful bacteria. A 2018 Meta analysis published out of the University of Nottingham looks at all of the published research between alcohol consumption and pneumonia, going back all the way to 1985. The result? Well, relative to non-drinkers, heavy drinkers were at an 83% increased risk of pneumonia. In the US, pneumonia is currently the ninth leading cause of death. So even if you look at the absolute rather than the relative risk, this is still pretty significant. Now, they do tend to present far worse symptoms. They'll often require mechanical ventilation and they're far more likely die. And guys, just before we get into number two on the list, if you want to get access to a free video training showing you how to control your drinking without AA, without willpower, without therapy and rehabs, make sure to click the link in the description. There'll be a training video that shows you how you can apply first principles thinking to really get control of your drinking without giving yourself labels or anything like that. So if you want more details on controlling drinking, click the link in the description. You guys will love that one. And now back to the video. So when you eat, and especially at foods that are rich in carbohydrates, your body breaks them down into sugar, which is then released into the bloodstream. In response, your pancreas secretes a hormone called insulin. The function of insulin is to transport the sugar from the blood into the tissues. Once in the tissues, it will either be used straight away as energy or it will be stored for future use. Over time, and especially if you overdo it with junk food that's rich in processed carbohydrates, your body can lose the ability to ferry the sugar from the blood into the actual tissue the cells in your tissues simply stop responding to the insulin. The blood sugar levels then stay permanently high. This is what doctors call insulin resistance, and it is the hallmark of type 2 diabetes. Now, alcohol increases the risk of type 2 diabetes in previously healthy individuals, and it worsens the blood sugar levels in those who already have diabetes. It does this through a variety of mechanisms. It contributes to excess calorie intake and obesity, disturbs the metabolism of carbohydrates and glucose, it damages the pancreas and it impairs the healthy functioning of the liver, which sadly brings us to the next condition on the list. At number three, we've got liver disease. Now, alcohol is an evolutionary novelty. We simply haven't evolved to consume alcoholic drinks, just like we haven't evolved to use other recreational drugs either it's the exact same thing. Now, because it's an evolutionary novelty, our bodies can't get rid of it in a safe way. And the organ that suffers the most is the liver. The liver is the primary organ where our bodies break down alcohol, and it breaks it down into a very toxic molecule called acetaldehyde. This is actually more toxic than alcohol itself. The liver then has to get rid of the acetaldehyde, which converts to a less active metabolite, called acetate. Things are made worse by the fact that alcohol is a diuretic that causes increased urination. This has the effect of dehydrating the liver at the very same time that it's forced to work overtime in the first place. There is only so much that the liver can handle, and over time, the acetaldehyde causes the liver to scar. This type of scarring is known as fibrosis. Over time, healthy liver tissue is progressively replaced by scar tissue, and alcoholic liver disease progresses through three different stages. The first is so-called alcoholic fatty liver, where excess fat starts to build up in the liver. There are few, if any, symptoms at this point, other than perhaps some fatigue or mild aches in your abdomen. About 90% of heavy drinkers suffer from fatty liver, but the condition is generally reversible if the person stops drinking. The next stage is alcoholic hepatitis, where the liver becomes inflamed. Symptoms can include fever, fatigue, now the last stage is cirrhosis. At this point, most of the healthy liver tissue is replaced with scar tissue until it eventually shrinks and gives out completely. Now the disease is non-reversible, and the diagnosis of cirrhosis probably means you have just a few years left to live. And like all the other diseases in this top six, the risk of liver disease is directly linked to the duration and intensity of drinking. The longer and heavier that you've been drinking, the more at risk you are. And number four, guys, we've got hypertension or high blood pressure. Hypertension, which is the medical term for high blood pressure, affects about one out of every three American adults. Now, medical authorities call it the silent killer, and for good reason. While it doesn't give any immediately noticeable symptoms, it puts people at a higher risk for heart disease, heart failure, and stroke. In a nutshell, if you have high blood pressure, Chances are that you will live less. On the other hand, reversing your high blood pressure is one of the single most efficient steps that you can take to extend your life expectancy. According to a report by the NIH, heavy female drinkers have double the risk of developing hypertension compared to non drinkers. For male drinkers, the risk rises to four times higher. Now, the relationship between alcohol and hypertension is now so established that the disease actually has its own name alcohol induced hypertension. Alcohol increases the risk of hypertension through multiple mechanisms. Firstly, it unbalances the central nervous system, which in turn influences the activity of the heart. It also messes with the peripheral nervous system, increases cortisol levels, and restricts the blood vessels by interfering with their calcium ions. Now, having said all this, it's not going to come as a surprise that the best way to treat alcohol-induced hypertension is to stop drinking. After that, you can then start to make the other necessary lifestyle changes, losing excess weight exercising, stopping smoking, and eating more healthily. In other words, all the things that you are far less likely to be doing whilst you're still drinking. Guys, at number five, we've got psychiatric disorders like depression and psychosis. Now, the relationship between drinking and psychiatric disorders is so strong that when you listen to the figures, it's pretty scary. Some researchers estimate that as much as one third of patients with psychiatric issues have alcohol or other substance abuse issues. On the flip side, over a third of alcohol-dependent patients also suffer from at least one psychiatric condition. The most common ones are anxiety disorders followed by depression. Now, many of you at this point might be thinking, well, hang on, wait a second. The fact that drinking and anxiety or depression go hand-in-hand Does not prove that alcohol actually causes them. It could very well be that anxious and depressed people actually start drinking in order to cope. And I'm not going to deny that this is often the case, because it obviously is. And we saw that with the recent lockdowns, for example, when millions of people lost their jobs and their livelihoods, and the rates of alcohol abuse just skyrocketed. Many people turned to alcohol in order to relieve the pain and just survive this rough patch. But there is no doubt that this also works the other way around, that alcohol causes anxiety and depression. And it does this in at least two different ways. Firstly, heavy and chronic alcohol consumption causes so-called neuroadaptation. What this means is that your brain literally rewires itself. And one of the main reasons is that alcohol mimics the action of a naturally occurring neurotransmitter called GABA. This is one of the messenger molecules that different parts of your brain use to communicate with each other, and it's heavily involved in the regulation of anxiety and mood. Most of the prescription drugs for the treatment of anxiety disorders target the GABA networks. Every time that you drink, you are unnaturally stimulating the GABA receptors in your brain. If you drink heavily on a daily basis, your brain anticipates and responds to this by downregulating or downplaying its own natural GABA activity. In other words, your brain becomes trained to receive a certain amount of exogenous GABA stimulation every day. And when your next drink is overdue by a few hours, let alone a few days, your brain simply cannot cope. The result Anxiety. This is no theory, by the way. You can literally see these neural adaptations with things like functional MRI. And sadly for some people, though they get better after stopping, they can still be detected for years afterwards. So alcohol directly affects your brain physiology and literally makes it more susceptible to anxiety and depression. But there is a second way that alcohol causes these states, and that is the direct negative impact on the person's life. The stress over having to hide the drinking from from friends, from relatives, the effect on the workplace performance, deteriorating relationships with significant others, all of these things add up over time. And at their core, anxiety and depression are evolved responses to socially stressful or threatening situations. It is impossible that your social and financial situation can deteriorate to the degree that it usually does without an individual becoming anxious and depressed. Now, when you actually think about it, about How destructive this poison is and what it does to people's life it's a testament to the human body's incredible coping ability that more than half of heavy drinkers don't develop anxiety and depression finally at number six we've got cancer now alcohol is an established carcinogen in other words the evidence is so strong that there is no scientific debate over this anymore it is a closed case the public doesn't generally know about it but authorities like the cdc the nih and the american cancer society or describe it as a known carcinogen that greatly increases the risk of certain cancers. Scientists don't understand exactly how alcohol Promotes the appearance of tumors. They suspect that it might be a combination of the oxidative stress alcohol causes on the body, the harmful waste generated during its breakdown in the liver, or the fact that it impairs the body's ability to break down and absorb certain vitamins. People who drink and smoke are especially at risk of developing certain kinds of cancers in the mouth, throat, and esophagus. But even for non smokers, drinking increases your chances of developing one of the following kinds of cancers mouth and throat, the larynx, the esophagus, the colorectal, the liver. And breast cancer in women. The risk is dose dependent, meaning the more you drink, the more at risk you are. The type of drink, whether beer, wine, or spirits, actually makes no difference. Compared to the general population, heavy drinkers are over five times more likely to develop cancer of the mouth and pharynx, four times more likely to get cancer of the esophagus, and three times more likely to get cancer in the liver. These risks are the same for men and women. But women who drink heavily also increase their chance of getting breast cancer by about 60%. These risks are all lower for moderate and mild drinkers, though still higher than the general population. Thanks for checking out the Stop Drinking podcast by Sober Clear. If you want to learn more about how we work with people to help them stop drinking effortlessly, then make sure to visit www.soberclear.com.